Would you take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? As you're turning, I just want to say a quick welcome. If you are new with us this morning, we just want to say we are thrilled you're here. Uh, it's tough for us, as we've been saying every week, to have our normal greeting. We love to greet people when you come in. We love to say goodbye to you when you walk out. Uh, we're kind of in this weird stage of, you know, this COVID thing and the declarations and the regulations. We're trying to handle this with as much balance as we can. Um, but we want you to know, if I can just state this to everyone here right now, we are thrilled you are here for worship today. Thank you for taking the time on this beautiful Sunday morning uh, to come and study God's Word with us this morning. We are thrilled you're here. And that goes for children here as well. Children, we are so happy you are here today. Thank you for bringing your dads and moms with you. Uh, so today we're going to continue on our discussion. Uh, a couple weeks ago we launched into this discussion, taken directly from Hebrews chapters 12, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Look to Jesus uh, through times of unrest, uncertainty, yes, to be honest, times of disgust, discouragement, all of these emotions, we want to do exactly what God's Word tells us to do. Fix our eyes on Jesus and never take our eyes off Jesus. So we're taking this summer into the fall and we are just highlighting different aspects of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, taking different snapshots through the scriptures, different descriptions of Jesus. Every week we're taking another one unless I get talking long time and then we just put it off to the next week like we did last week. So uh, we're going to continue our study from last week on taking a snapshot of Jesus as the promised conqueror. The week prior to that, we worshipped Based on this, look to Jesus, the supreme rescuer. Now, we continue this week on what we started last week. Look to Jesus, the promised conqueror. Very clearly, this key idea, we tried to wrap our minds around this simple key idea. As our faith is tested, we must look. And it's not just a glance, it is a fixing of our eyes on our Savior. And one of those aspects of our Savior that we cannot get out of our eye shot is this. He is, in the Scriptures, very clearly the promised hero. He is the conqueror. Through the conflict of the world around us, we're talking about godlessness. We're talking about arrogance. We're talking about injustice. We're talking about cruelty. We're talking about malice. We're talking about deceit. We're talking about direct evil. We're talking about temptations. We're talking about addictions. We're talking about sickness. Yes, even uh, global pandemics. We're talking about what happens through that is death. Through all of that, we must fix our eyes on this. That Jesus is the conquering hero. He is the hero. Um, I won't belabor this too much, but you remember this from last week. All right, we talked a little bit. We kind of cleared some cobwebs away in our minds. We kind of thought back to literature class, and we thought about any given story. If it's a good story, you're going to have these type things in your story. There are five primary ones. 
very simply review this, setting, which would be what? It would be the location and time of your story. You're going to have plot. What is this? This is the progress of your story, how it develops. This is what's known as the storyline. You're going to have in your story, if it's a good story, you're going to have some sort of conflict going on. Some stories, it's a little bit more of an intense type conflict. Other stories, it's like a light, feel-good type conflict. But nonetheless, there's some type of conflict that climaxes. And then after the climax, if it's a good story, you will have some sort of resolution to your story. But just as we talked last week, none of this will happen without what? Characters. You cannot have a good plot. You cannot have this, you can kind of have a setting, but your whole story is not going to be based on the setting. I mean, some stories, like the whole thing, like three quarters of it's the setting, and then all of a sudden it's a short story at the end. Kind of like my sermons. Most introduction, a little bit at the end. Just joking. Mostly. Nonetheless, when we look at stories, you're going to have plot, you're going to have setting, you're going to have conflict, you're going to have resolution. All of that progresses through characters. And then as we talked last week, you're going to have these type characters in your story. Do you remember them? You're going to have what's known um, as the protagonist. This is the hero of your story. You're also going to have the antagonist, which is the rival in your story. This is oftentimes known as the enemy. In the Bible, we're going to refer to the obvious antagonist, as we talked last week, as the enemy. It's Satan, the wicked one, the master deceiver. You also have different other characters. You have static characters, and these are characters that are more or less inactive in the story. And then you're going to have dynamic characters. These are characters who this story massively changes their lives. Everything about them from the beginning of the story to the end of the story has in some way been impacted by the story. Okay, you can already see where we're headed with this. We already talked about this last week, that we, by God's grace, are those dynamic characters in the story. Where the storyline and the protagonist, we're talking about the hero, what he has done has massively changed our lives, our perspective, our actions, and our reactions. Reactions. Everything about us has been changed by the hero. Well, the cool thing is all of this is in that Bible that you have on your lap right now. This story. Sometimes we don't often think about this story and the Bible on your laps as being a story, but it is absolutely a story. And brothers and sisters in Christ, as we looked at last week, who, who is the protagonist? Who is the hero of that story on your lap? Young people here, who is the conqueror? All of us here today, who is the hero? It is Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, last week we saw how our main character, the hero conqueror, specifically dealt with the enemy. I love this depiction as we talked about last week. How the protagonist deals with the antagonist in the story of the Bible. 
Last week, if you were here, here, you'll remember that we started in the beginning of our Bibles. And we see this dynamic promise, and this dynamic promise known as the Proto-Evangelion. This is the first rendering of the Gospel. It's actually given to Satan. It's stated to Satan. Satan, I will crush you. This is God Almighty telling Satan that he will be crushed. And how will this happen? It will happen through a hero. Then through the rest of our Bibles, we're getting more information about what this hero, who this hero will be, what this hero will look like. I'm not going to go back and teach last week's lesson, but we know this. The victory was promised in the garden. The victory was secured or won by Jesus Christ on the cross and then his dynamic resurrection. It was secured. We need to get that in our minds. That the victory was and is secured. At this point in human history, in redemptive history, there's no doubt that the victory has been secured. Why? Well, we're going to get to that today. It's called the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15. But then, like we talked about last week, the victory has been promised. The victory has been secured. But then we went to the end of our Bibles and we saw this. The victory will be claimed. It will be finalized. This victory will be claimed and finalized through Christ's return. And brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the story of your Bibles right there. The protagonist defeating the antagonist. But there's more to the story. Right? Why? Because we still need to talk about how this happens. Remember in those, those key elements of a good story, the last two are conflict and resolution. All right? When it comes to the characters, we saw last week how the protagonist defeats the antagonist. Now this week, we want to see how this conflict is resolved. So last week we looked at Jesus defeats the ultimate enemy. This week we are going to dial in on this. Jesus resolves. And what does he resolve? A devastating conflict. Remember how I said there's some stories that the conflict's kind of light. You watch kind of a Disney animation sometimes and it's like, well, that was kind of a, a lightweight conflict. This is no lightweight conflict. The conflict of your scriptures, the Bible you hold on your lap right now, you know, because we introduced this last week, you know what the primary problems are in this conflict. And it has to do with these two words. These are no lightweight words in the scriptures. Sin and death. Satan introduced sin and particularly death into God's perfect creation as we found last week in Genesis chapter 3. This devious one. This master deceiver referred to as the angel of light disguised himself in this serpent and deceived Adam, deceived Eve. And furthermore, Adam bought into this lie and chose to sin against God. And then comes the direct promise from a holy God that if you partake of this sin, you will surely what? Die. And so from the beginning portion of our Bibles, the beginning chapters of our Bible, we very clearly see that God is a God that keeps His Word. 
He is a God that will fulfill what He promised. But then we see the beauty of the rest of the story. We see the beauty of how this hero resolves the conflict. So really the question of your Bible is this. How is the hero going to resolve the conflict? How is he, how is this hero going to fix sin and death? How is he going to resolve all of that happened in the garden and make it right again? How will this happen? Well, I believe we find the answer very specifically by Paul to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Would you go with me and look right now at 1 Corinthians chapter 1? And we're just going to take portions of this today. I'm not going to read all 58 verses today. Um, you can read that through this week. And hopefully you read it through this past week. And you can read through it this coming week. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. It uses a word that tells us how this, how this conflict is resolved. And I will emphasize this word. It's in verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. So how did God, through Jesus Christ, resolve the conflict of sin and death? He did it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is what's known as the good news. That is what the gospel means. It is heralding good news. How did God, through Jesus, fix this problem? It is through the gospel. And here's what it says in verse 1. The gospel, Paul says, I preached to you. I proclaimed it to you. What you received, and here it is, in which you stand. Okay. There's a dynamic statement at the beginning of this chapter and at the end of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. Remember that concept of standing because of the gospel, because it's going to show up in verse 58 when we get there in three hours. Just joking. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and here it is, and by which you are being saved. You have been saved and you are being sanctified now through the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Very clearly here, Paul is distinguishing that faith is beyond simple mental assent to a heart life transformation. That is at the beginning of this entire chapter. Uh, salvation is not simply acknowledging that there is a Jesus. Salvation is seeing Jesus change your life. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 3. For I deliver to you as of first importance. Okay, this is pretty important to Paul. If he can go ahead and state this is of first importance, we better see what he says. What I also received, and here is the gospel in a nutshell, that Christ died for our sins. Time out. What's the conflict? Let me go back one. Sin and death. What does this verse say? What is the gospel of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3? For I delivered to you of first importance that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scripture. How beautiful is that phrase, in accordance to the Scripture? This is not just Paul pulling out of a hat saying, hey, this is kind of a cool discussion. Hey, you've never heard this before. Ooh, here it is. 
No, this is Paul saying, no, this is consistent with all of redemptive history from the beginnings of your Bibles till now. This is in accordance to the Scriptures. God's Word is dynamically synchronized, all of it, every single word. And in accordance to the Scriptures, you see the Gospel of Jesus Christ, taught in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament in Jesus. In accordance to the Scriptures, but here's the beauty of the New Covenant believer. Right here, verse 4. He didn't just die, he was buried. And he didn't just die and was buried. What happened? He was raised on the third day. Here it is again. In accordance to the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And he goes on to say he appeared to 500 at one time. What's happening here? This is the gospel. Here, this right here is how the conflict is resolved. I mean, sometimes in our minds we want to try to make this kind of complicated. It is not complicated. Jesus Christ himself suffered the death of mankind. And he conquered the death of mankind by raising from the dead. How did our hero resolve the conflict 2,000 years ago? Brothers and sisters in Christ, he personally experienced the worst weapon that Satan could wield. Satan could do, not do anything better than wield death at God's creation. And what did God himself do through Jesus Christ? He conquered death. Do better than that, Satan. All right, you throw death at us. Jesus, the hero promised in Genesis chapter 3, He will crush your head, Satan. Guess where that head is crushed? It is crushed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you remember back though in Genesis chapter 3, it says that Jesus would sustain a temporary injury. Remember? His heel would be bruised in this process. Well, certainly that happened on the cross of Calvary. But certainly Jesus crushed the head of Satan as this conflict is resolved. So, how did our hero resolve the conflict? He experienced death. Think about this. Earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this and he says, oh boy. Basically this, if you would have a plan of how God would redeem his people, his creations, and make it beautiful again, would you ever in your wildest dreams ever come up with this? That God would send His Son to be born of a virgin, to be born in a cave and laid on a, a feeding trough in, in the dirt. I'm pretty sure that if any of us were scripting this story, we would have, some, we would have that first picture coming out of the clouds to chop off Satan's head. But nonetheless, God Himself had a beautiful plan called the Gospel. In fact, in the first part of 1 Corinthians, he says, this is a stumbling block and foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. All right, we got to keep moving. Even though Christ sustained a temporary injury, he resurrected and crushed Satan's head. And I think this is the kicker. Here's the kicker. He not only secured the victory for himself, because he needed the victory. And for his own glory's sake. 
Not only did Jesus secure the victory for himself, but he also secured the victory for all who would believe in him. Yes, brothers and sisters in Christ, that includes you and me. Jesus, through the resurrection, secured the victory for you and for me. And where do we find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Would you jump to verse 21? Here it is in verse 21. For as by a man, Adam, came death. Okay, who, did, who bought into this plan and purposely sinned? It was Adam. And what does Paul say in verse 21? For as by a man, Adam, came death. By a man, Jesus, has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, and here it is, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. If you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will be alive with Jesus Christ. That is the story of the Bible. This begs a very practical question you might be asking right now. I mean, if your brain's moving, you're thinking, um, okay, that's all good, you know, Pastor Andrew, but did you... Did you watch the news the last five months? <laughs> Are you telling me Jesus has won the victory? Uh, why, why the sin and depravity? Well, here's the basic short answer to that entire question. It's this. Brothers and sisters, the story's not over. The story's not over. Here it is. Although the victory has been secured, the narrative is not complete. This is the beauty of it that the, that the Scriptures clearly teaches us. It clearly states this, that in His first coming, Christ disarmed Satan. He disarmed Satan and secured the victory. But, in His second coming, Christ will destroy Satan. And finalize the victory. So where are we right now? At this very moment. Right here. Right now. We're talking about a Cross Point Community Church. At, well, 11, 10 almost. Where are we right now? We are in the story. We are between His first coming and His second coming. We still see the devastating effects of sin and death. We're talking about pandemic. We're talking about injustice. We're talking about riots. We're talking about temper tantrums. We're talking about deceit. We still see it because Jesus has not returned to set it all right. He has won the victory, but He will come back to claim the victory in all of His justice. So what's the short answer to all this mess we see right now? The short answer is the story's not over. Hold that Bible in your hand. Read it every day because we clearly find what's going to happen. This week, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I, I was thinking of this all week. <laughs> my kids know in hand enough. Anybody remember this guy? Oh, my soul. I, I remember as a two and three year old down on Oakview Drive, right down here, that I knew it was lunchtime because my mom would play this. This guy. And it's like, oh, it's time to eat. And I would sit there as a two and three year old and I waited for this. Now you know the rest of the story. You remember that? From a little dude. Here it is. Now you know 
the rest of the story. I thought of that all week long. My poor kids are like, what are you talking about, Dad? Now you know the rest of the story. I'm like, what, Dad? What's, you're off your rocker, Dad. No, I've been thinking about that all week because I've been thinking we have the story, but someday we are going to experience the rest of the story. Can we look at some of the rest of the story? Let's take a snapshot of what the rest of the story is going to look like. Here it is. Verse 22. Would you go with me to verse 22 and see the rest of the story? As in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Catch that. Those who belong to Christ. Something's going to dynamically change in our story. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, after destroying every, catch this, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies, all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed, destroyed is what? Death. When this will be completely resolved, the conflict will re be resolved as Christ destroys forever and ever and ever this death. Verse 27, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. Doesn't that just sound a bit like Genesis chapter 3? He will crush the head of Satan. Here's the rest of the story. Not only has Jesus and will Jesus conquer Satan from the resurrection, and not only will Jesus completely conquer Satan at the end, throwing him to the lake of fire, but here it is. He will do that also to every opposing authority and power that is clearly in this passage. Every opposing authority and power. In my mind, I see the opposition that's happening around the world right now, and my heart goes out, and I cry out, come to Jesus. You don't know what you're doing. You're stiff-arming the King of Kings. Jesus will permanently conquer death, as we find in this passage, but I want us to see more of the end of this story. And we need to walk out of these doors with an overwhelming real sense of, of excitement and victory because of this hero. So can we jump to the end? You can meditate on the rest of 1 Corinthians 15 this week, but can we go to verse 51? Paul, to those who have come to Christ by faith, says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. By the way, that is the best nursery sign ever. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I don't know if you've ever seen a nursery with that on it. At any rate, different, obviously. That's how you take the scriptures out of context, by the way. That's not what this is talking about. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Verse 52, in the moment, oh boy. I think I got one foot off the ground right now ready to just fly. 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. This says dynamic character. Our lives will be changed in this story. Verse 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, and it's written in Isaiah 25, verse 8, death is swallowed up in victory. He quotes again from Hosea chapter 13, and he says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, or oh, grave, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law that exposes our sin. Verse 57, let us try to wrap our minds around this verse as we walk out these doors this morning. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, not based on your own ego, not based on your own willpower, it is based on on Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Friends, as our faith is tested, we must look to the promised conqueror. Teenagers here. Young ones here. Fix your eyes on the conqueror and never take them off. He will return don't lose hope in this broken world. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He will set this right. Even though the world around us is essentially crippled by fear right now. I mean, absolutely crippled by fear. Even though everyone seems to be freaked out by the thought of death. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though political nonsense abounds and discourages us every time we turn the news on. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though human depravity flares up and overwhelms us. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, who has already won the victory, will soon come in justice and power and might. And he will fix all of this mess. He will fully claim the victory. So what? So what? How is this passage, 1 Corinthians 15, going to change our week this week? As you walk out these doors, how is your life going to be changed because of this fact that Jesus resolves the conflict? Well, I think we need to ask ourselves a couple questions. The first one being this. Would you analyze your own heart this morning? Will you submit to the conqueror? Okay, along with the rest of the story going through my mind all week, this verse is going through my mind. Philippians chapter 2, 9 through 11 that we studied some months back. Therefore God has also highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him a name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, here it is, every knee should bow 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Brothers and sisters, that's in our Bible. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Now here's the kicker. Some will bow before His return in salvation. That is my plea today. Would you bow the knee before an almighty God today? If you've never come to Him in faith, would you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved today? Because the other fact is this. Not only will some bow before His return in in salvation, others will bow after His return through what the Scripture calls justice and judgment. Will you bow in salvation today? Today, don't delay. I love what First John Paul uh, John says. Old man John and First John says this. First chapter five. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. How are you going to participate in this story? It is not your own might, your own willpower. It is only by faith in Jesus, the conqueror. John continues on. For who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The only way that you'll be on the right side of this conflict is through faith in Jesus Christ to save your soul. Would you truly believe Jesus today? Not only a, or not simply a superficial mental ascent, we're talking about a transformed heart change. Would you believe on Jesus today? All right, one other question. Will you find comfort today in the conqueror? You will not find comfort in the conqueror if you've not first dealt with the first question, though. But if you've come to Jesus in faith, this week, will you find comfort in this this conqueror? I'm talking about when you turn the news on and you just shake your head thinking, when we do this on occasion, I can't watch the rest of this. This is is so stupid. You watch this, this is nonsense. What comfort are you going to find? Would you find comfort today in the conqueror and I read this last week but I just want to reread this and I I got just a couple minutes here verse 31 of Romans chapter 8 says this what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us who is to condemn verse 34 says Christ Jesus is the one who died I love this. It's almost like this dialogue that Paul has with himself in the church of Rome in this passage. He's like, okay, he has a series of questions. And this question is, who is is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. And what is he doing? Who indeed is interceding for us, brothers and sisters in Christ. The, The Son, Jesus Christ, is interceding on your behalf right now. Here it is. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or a sword? Verse 37. No. 
in all of those things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when we walk out these doors today, if we've come to Jesus by faith, let this overwhelm your heart. Let this put the joy of Jesus in your heart and let this put a smile on your face as you walk out this door today. I love what John, old man John says in chapter 4, verse 4. He says this, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Put those two things together. Little children. Who thinks of little children as conquerors? Well, certainly John does through Jesus Christ. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Children here about to go to school in a couple weeks. Maybe. (laughs) Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. One of my friends, Jacob Lasser, sent me a really cool text the other day with Isaiah's encouragement in Isaiah 54, verse 17. Here it is. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. Wow! And one more question. Will you be faithful today through the conqueror? Not only find comfort in the conqueror, will you be faithful today because of the conqueror? What do I mean? Okay, let's travel in our minds back. Remember I said in 1 Corinthians 15, we see the gospel allows us to stand in the first verse. Can we see that again in verses 15, uh, 57 and 58? We'll close with this. Here it is. But thanks be to God, verse 57, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the conclusion of the matter for Paul in this chapter, the resurrection chapter. Therefore, my beloved brothers, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Can we just make that overwhelmingly practical to right here, right now? In your life, in my life, have we been derailed by a sense of global pandemic? And I don't want to be disingenuous in any way to those who may have experienced this in your own family or those in extended family or neighbors or friends. Let me ask you this. Are you faithful even through this time of pandemic? Are you faithful even though you watch the politics happen and you just think, oh dear. Be steadfast. That means firmly planted. You're not going anywhere. Immovable. That means not shifting. This is ridiculous, but you know what came to my mind? That jello salad on the way to potluck. <laughs> In your car. All over your front seat. The sad fact is that's how a lot of times believers are. When we get put in a bind. When our life shakes around us, we spill all out. Nonsense. Paul says, be steadfast, immovable, and then here it is. Always abounding. That's the word overflow overflowing in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is not a time to clam up in discouragement. This is not a time to join a pity party. This is not a time to be crippled by fear. No, no. This is a time to engage in the call of a soldier of Jesus Christ. This is the time to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. This is the time to fix our eyes on our promised conqueror. As our faith is tested, we must look to the promised 